20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this Saturday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Before we get to our guest, as always, a huge shout out to our two Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesota and Most Hated Minnesotan and PJ Wynn. That being said, I am joined by one of my all-time favorite guests, the one and only Ben Fennel. I had to chat with him prior to getting into the regular season. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Ben, how the heck have you been? I'm doing great. Sitting here on the cusp of the full week one slate. Obviously, Thursday night just happened and Feel like a horse in the starting block just ready to watch some games travel to games watch new film it's an exciting time you know it's like a christmas morning almost for all of us uh nfl addicts for lack of a better word it is we'll be breaking down the film on mondays and um you know obviously we got a little bit of uh, a taste of everything last night with chiefs lions a, a fun lions win a sort of weird bizarro chiefs loss but ben i'd be remiss to ask before we jump into football I know you're a big golf guy. How did the summer golf game go? Is it everything you wanted it to be? And are you ready to now abandon it a little bit for the, the rigors of a regular season? Great question. Great personal update. So I moved from suburbia of South Jersey to okay. Philadelphia last summer and unfortunately canceled my golf membership. So while okay. I did golf a little bit this summer, not nearly as much and as regularly as I used to, uh, still got out you know, 15, 20 times or so. The game really never got over the hill into that consistent 70s. I think I fired a couple 80s and 81s. Uh, then the game really tanked. But what split my time this summer is I really got into disc golf. Okay. So my buddy up in the Poconos uh, started a course and I'm a golfer. I get the whole competitive nature of it, The almost the pain of it, that it's such a simple A to B sport, just throw this object to B. It's very frustrating, but it's the same type of addiction as golf. So I've had fun doing that. And it's a great crowd. There's a lot of people out there with their dogs and drinking beers and just hiking through the woods. So that's kind of my vibe anyway. So I've been splitting a little bit of the actual golf with disc golf, but it's week one here, Andy. All that's getting put away for the winter. I got a busy season ahead. I couldn't imagine I'm going to hit a ball or throw a disc in the next four months. Yeah, I think that's probably understandable. I uh, We've got a couple nice courses here in Green Bay for disc golf. I made the mistake of when I uh, you know, did it for the first time in probably, I don't know, over a decade, going to the one where there was, it was a very wooded area. And uh, I think I spent the vast majority of my time looking for Frisbees rather than actually Frisbee golfing. Yeah, but that's, I, a, that's I really a considerable part of the sport. There's a lot, of, a lot of search and rescue for your discs, especially for the amateurs out there. But it's so frustrating. It looks so easy from the people that are good, just like real golf. Um, and if you're a competitive junkie like I am with some athleticism, you just want to figure it out and get it right. So uh, it's a fun sport for you uh, outdoor enthusiasts. It very much is. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Before our, I start you know, bombarding you with questions, I did want to give everyone a quick practice update. Um, on Fridays, they literally let us see the warm-ups, and that's it. We don't get to see anything else. But David Bakhtiari and Christian Watson still not practicing 
on Thursday, both Matt LaFleur and David Bakhtiari said that they expected him to play on Sunday. He has not practiced in over two weeks now, so that's going to be a little bit interesting. Romeo Dobbs did practice again, but Christian Watson did not look ready to play uh, in any way, shape, or form. I'll be pleasantly surprised if that is, uh, you know, if all of a sudden he shows up ready to play in Chicago. But uh, we're recording this pre-final injury report, so it's possible by the time you're listening to this that it's, you know, he's just listed as out. We'll see, but would not expect Christian Watson to play. But it does seem like Romeo Dobbs is on pace to play. And again, Matt Lafleur and Bakhtiari both said that they expect him to play, but should be an interesting injury report when that does come out. All right, uh, Ben, I guess where I wanted to kind of start with you, I know we've had a, uh, an opportunity to, you know, kind of touch base uh, this offseason a little bit, but now that the 53-man roster is set, now that we're actually heading into regular season games, and, you know, as you mentioned, it feels like we're just at the starting block of everything. I just kind of wanted to get your you know, 60,000 foot view of where you see this Packer team at. What's your kind of takeaway from the Packers off season and, and kind of how are you feeling about the team overall? Well, it's a kind of a refreshing clean slate for this organization. And that comes with some pros and cons and some questions and some expectations versus reality conversations that have been beating us over the head all summer, but it's been refreshing. And there's clearly a commitment to youth and to development. And obviously that comes with Rodgers moving on, but even guys like Adrian Amos, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Mason Crosby, there's a strong commitment to the youth movement, which is going to have some highs, some lows, and it's going to be a full roller coaster. Um, but it's been refreshing this summer. As long as you don't get too in the weeds with your expectations and trying to predict the future, I think the collective tone in the air through the locker room in the building has been positive. And I think the players are all ready to move on to this next chapter and start writing chapters, to be honest with you. You know, I think the book is there with a clean slate and we're all just excited for it to get going. I think it's been a refreshing summer uh, in Packer circles. I could not agree more. That's a million percent where I am as well. It felt like everyone was in need of a change. And I, you know, the, the biggest piece of that is Aaron, as I've said all off season, I think this was best for Aaron. I think he's going to play at a different, like you can just see how happy and excited he is and whether that's good, bad, ugly, and different. I don't even really care. Just seems like he needed that change. And it's very clear and obvious that um, he is uh, in a very good spot right now. It seemed like Green Bay very much needed that change. Jordan Love needed to play, as Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur had said on numerous occasions. And I just think it was best for everyone involved. And I do think that this, where this team was at, where this roster was at, they they did everything they could to keep those. You know, they had three straight 13 win seasons. They tried to run it back for another year. It didn't work. They finished eight and nine, kind of lucky to finish eight and nine based on where they were at at one point in that season, losing seven out of eight games at one point. Um, and I think this was exactly what they needed as well. So I, I know I'm refreshed just looking at this team, seeing some youth and exuberance, some Jaden Reed, some Luke Musgraves, but I, I think they absolutely needed that, uh, that refresher as well. And the Rogers departure, I think it's always, you know, important to remember the context. They could have traded him after the MVP season. Yeah. Just imagine the discourse then from the fan base of, you know, sending your franchise MVP winning NFC championship game quarterback, sending him off after that season. Now, the returns would have been much greater, obviously, but just imagine the discourse behind the scenes and his fans and expectations going to an even younger Jordan Love. So everything's kind of with context. So this marriage was going to end at some point, and I kind of think it was as smooth as it could have been, as crazy as is, that is to say, you know, six months removed. 
No, I, I totally agree. And, and I, you know, I'm sure there was some angst and frustration and some things that happened on both sides. That's just going to happen in that sort of situation, but it was about as amicable as it could possibly be expected. I think the harshest tone that anyone took was when Rogers went on McAfee and was kind of like, Hey, let's get this trade done so I can just move to the jets. That was like the harshest thing that had, had kind of happened. It, it happened pretty organically. I think, like I said, I think both sides were ready and willing to move on. Green Bay wanted to go in a different direction. They got their wish. I think, you know, Aaron wanted to go in a different direction. He got his way. It just, it just kind of all worked out. And I think they both kept it to a spot where Aaron's going to be able to come back at some time, have his name put up in the, uh, you know, in Lambeau field, probably number retired Packer hall of famer hall of famer is a member of the Packers. It's all going to be fine down the road, but this was just a necessary step along the way. Yeah, no question. Well said. All right, let's go to, you know, obviously you have this young team, they're inexperienced. You mentioned the roller coaster ride. As you look at kind of just this roster as a whole, what is maybe something that you're most concerned about before we get to what you're most excited about? Well, the youth is going to come with concerns because while youth is exciting and those are the stars of tomorrow, not all youth performs on the same trajectory. Right. Or even performs in general. So it's not going to be a linear development or a linear performance. And some of those might just fall flat on their face. So I think that just comes with that grab bag, that mystery bag of performing in the NFL as a young player. We're going to learn on the fly, you know, who's who's a Joe and, you know, who's a pro kind of thing. So I think the youth's going to be exciting. But like we had mentioned, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. So just be ready for those ups and downs and those highs and lows and to figure out what you have. Um the flip side of that, I'm very concerned about the inconsistent core players, the ones that aren't the young guys with the bullseye on them being a rookie or a sophomore, the, you know, Darnell Savages of the world, the Josh Myers of the world, the highly paid and talented Jair Alexanders of the world. You know, those players that really aren't competing for their spots and they have futures on this team mostly need to play better and more consistent through this youth movement. Yeah. You can't have the youth and inconsistent core players. That would be disastrous, in my opinion. That's why you keep a David Bakhtiari, to have some consistency, some reliability around the youth. And now, obviously, they made a huge commitment to it, and it's going to come with some highs and lows. But I just think some of those core players really need to show up and level out their consistency. And the other concern is just the expectations versus reality versus patience. It takes time to learn how to win in this league. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers' first year. I think he was one and seven in one score games. Joe Burrow also one and seven in one score games his first year. It takes time. And that's going to be a learn on the fly experience for Jordan Love and the fan base. Learning to win in the fourth quarter, clutch situations, all that's going to come into play later in Jordan Love's career. But that first season, you have some highs and lows. It takes time to learn how to win, and that is okay. The quarterbacks that come right away and win right away, they're outliers. Don't point to them and say, but he did it. He made the playoffs his first year, and Big Ben did this, and X, Y, and Z. You can't point to the outliers. So I think the expectations versus reality and the patience of the situation is going to be really important throughout the entire year. I'm really glad that you brought up all of them, but I'm really glad that you brought up the inconsistency of some of the returning players, some of the more veteran players on this team. I've labeled this. I know some people will say a transition year, a rebuilding year. What I don't really care what adjective people want to use, but to me, this is really an evaluation year. I think there's so many things that Green Bay is going to be evaluated. And I think a lot of those guys 
like are under the microscope too. It's easy to say like, well, Jordan Love and, and some of these really young players are going to go through it, but they're going to get a little bit more leash and leeway. Whereas some of those veterans, like they are going through a youth movement, probably going to have two first round picks again next year with, a, you know, probably some compensation. Like they're probably going to end up around eight, nine, 10 picks again next year, um, which wouldn't shock me. So this is going to be a team that is still going to be infused with youth moving forward. And it's going to be up to some of those guys. I'll add guys like Josiah DeGuara, John Runyon sure. Jr., who I like, but has been mm-hmm. inconsistent at times. AJ Dillon is in a contract year. Devondre Campbell get out of his year. Even guy like Preston Smith, who um, I think is mostly consistent at this point in his career, you know what you're getting. There's still some inconsistency on a down to down basis. So I think a lot of those guys are going to be evaluated and maybe even a little more harshly. So, and I think understandably, so this upcoming season, I think the same thing goes for coaches too. And, and coordinators, I think Adam Stenovich and Joe Barry are going to be a little bit more under the microscope this year. I think this is their opportunity to say, Hey, Aaron's gone. A lot of these veterans are gone. This is not a team that's Super Bowl or bust anymore. We are going to evaluate everything on this roster. The younger guys, we're going to throw them into the fire a little bit and see who sinks and who swims. But it's kind of all the other guys who are going to even evaluate at a harsher level because we need to see who's going to lead this team moving forward. Yeah, and these types of situations, the new quarterback, the roster turnover, typically comes with management change. A new GM, a new coach, you want to, you know, cater the roster to the new scheme or the GM's new view. It's kind of interesting to go through this transformation with the same leadership at the top. So I think it's also a big calendar 18-month window for Brian Gutekunst to turn over this roster while you're still there because it was your roster. You're moving on to the future, but you're still the decision maker as far as the evaluation standpoint. So it's going to be some tough decisions moving forward. I look at some of these reclamation projects around the league like Detroit. What Brad Holmes has done is great, but Brad Holmes was new there. He wanted to turn the roster over. It's typically a two-year project. This Packers team is going to have some tough decisions, and it's going to come at the expense of Brian Gutekunst kind of admitting some fault as well, um, which is a healthy thing. Move on, turn the page, turn the roster over before they turn you over as a GM. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things that happened with this franchise is, you know, you usually don't have a GM and a head coach take over in the midst of having a hall of fame quarterback and having like, you're, you're ready to try to win right now. And I think Brian also, Brian also took over from Ted where Ted was like almost allergic to spending any money, certainly not doing any of the moves where they were borrowing from future salary caps or anything like that. He gets the reins and he can go out and buy a Zadarius Smith, a Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, a Billy Turner and go out and spend a ton of money um, because Ted didn't do that. And so I think they kind of were in this immediate win now mode right away. And then Matt takes over the next year and is in the same situation. And now I think we're getting to see sort of Brian and Matt, you know, and I think part of the the previous part too is kind of catering to Aaron and what he wanted and how he wanted the team built. And now we're going to finally see for better or worse, what the, you know, what Matt and, and Brian bring to the table in sort of their image of the team with no Aaron Rodgers there and sort of going with this younger team. So they're, they're absolutely going to be evaluated as they perform through this the next two, three years as well. Now, one quick nugget from a roster building standpoint, I completely agree with you. The quarterback changing and a Hall of Fame quarterback has influence on the roster, the scheme, what he wants. But this major notion of we're finally going to see LaFleur's offense. I know I'm transitioning just a little bit. No, you're good. I think is majorly overblown. And I think you know exactly where I stand with this as I've been passionate about Matt LaFleur's influence on this Packers team and what he's done to transform Aaron Rodgers over the last three to four seasons. 
maybe not so much last year as things got a little bit haywire and dysfunctional uh, in the win column and the point total, but his MVP seasons, that was Matt LaFleur's offense. That was the scheme and the foundation. And that's my tongue in cheek saying he game managed his way to an MVP because he ran a phenomenal system that was built on the run game, a foundational scheme, motion, manipulation, X, Y, and Z. You know, I've talked about it at nauseum, but I keep hearing we're finally going to see LaFleur's offense. I aggressively push back with that notion because I think we've seen it. We've seen it operate well, and we've seen a quarterback win two MVPs doing it. So I hope it looks very similar to 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I thought here's my read of it, and and you can feel free to obviously disagree on this. I thought 2019, when Matt first came in, he did a really great job of putting a little bit of of his offense on Aaron, but also letting Aaron have some rain and like, what do you like running? And it was kind of almost like a 50-50 split, half half Matt, half Aaron. I thought 2020 was the full buy-in year. We saw the whole Matt LaFleur offense, Aaron bought in completely, and that to me was the, the best it had looked. And as you mentioned, we, we got to see the whole thing on display and it looked awesome. I felt in 2021, it was like 80 to 75% Matt LaFleur, but Aaron kind of got a little bit more, um, some of his stuff, it was a little bit more spamming Devontae Adams and some checks at the line of scrimmage. And then I thought last year, maybe started with Matt's stuff and then things, as you mentioned, went haywire. And then I thought as the season went along, it looked a lot more like kind of Aaron's stuff. So that was my kind of read of it, but I totally agree with you. I thought 2020 was the most we saw of Matt. And I thought it was like arguably the best we saw of both Aaron and Matt together. I find it a little bit of a echo to the national media where they seem a little bit behind on the intricacies of the teams. Like, I think there's a sect of Jet fans that want Rodgers running around and extending plays. Yeah. And it's like, man, you're so holding on to that old stigma reputation of Rodgers. That is not how he won his MVPs. So it's a little bit of finally getting to the national media. The same thing. Everybody thinks Aaron runs that offense, runs that team. He calls all his shots. He calls the plays. He's audibling. Not really. Um, So I think some of the smart national analysts that watch the film have put that all together. But the collective general media, I think, holds on to his kind of decade-long reputation. And you have to give the guy credit for changing his style. And you can watch the film. You can look at his time to throw. You can look at his scrambling rate. You can look at their run success. You can look at a lot of metrics as well that I think confirm that. But uh, just an interesting kind of conversation throughout the summer about LaFleur's offense being fully deployed with the young quarterback. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your 
seat before you buy. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We made it. It's officially football season, which means... It's the best time of the year, but also it means that I'm going to be really freaking busy. If you're like me and your busy fall season is already in full swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Factor lets you level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Personally, I'm trying to eat healthier, so their calorie-conscious options are perfect for my meal plan. They have delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Best of all, with Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered directly to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. Couldn't agree with you more. All right, so I, I, you, I, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier and just sort of the refresh of the team and being excited about that. But is there anything as you look at this team on paper that you are more excited about than maybe some of the, the more recent Packer teams? Or just in general, what are you excited about about this team? Yeah, you know, the blank slate of careers ahead, you know, the potential. These guys are going to be the stars, superstars, household names of tomorrow, and they're getting opportunities. So this team is full force in the youth movement. They're not all going to hit. I'm just excited for that new star. 
that new darling that, you know, maybe isn't a practice player, you know, maybe isn't great with the media, you know, maybe isn't the most personable guy, but he shows up on Sundays right. and you show up on Sundays, fans will love you. And I think we talk about that here. I live in Philadelphia, but this is a tough city to play for. Man, you play hard and you show up on Sundays. This team in the city is going to love you. And Green Bay is the same way. So I'm just excited for the opportunities of a lot of these young guys. And, you know, I hope they perform right away. And young guys and confidence, that whole thing is a big conversation. I'm just excited for someone to show up and maybe be a household name in the national media on Monday. You know, Jaden Reed has three touchdowns or, you know, you know, Carrington Valentine has to play in the game and gets, you know, a pick six or something like that. Or Musgrave's a red zone demon, you know, this year with, you know, Jordan Love. I'm excited for the blank slate ahead. Um, as much as I really want these cornerstone players to show up and perform like they need to, I'm ready for the young guys to show us something and start writing chapters in this blank book, blank book ahead. Yeah, well said. And I think that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, too, is just it's great to have all of these really young players and a lot of them look really good, but as we know, Bennett, it's, it's the stars that make this league. It's the stars that help you win championships and get you to the promised land. You go back to that 2010 team and look at some of the players that were playing at just such an insanely high level in that season. And you know what it takes to kind of get back there. And that's what I'm saying. Who, who are the stars of this team? Is it Christian Watson? Is it Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker? Like, it's great to have all of these exciting young players. But now Jordan Love, same thing. All of these guys have to take that next step and not just be good or maybe even really good. They got to find a way to be, like, great. And, and, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I'm getting a little headliney here as we're kind of precursor in the season. Right. So what am I excited about from a film perspective, a little more X's and O's? I think this defense is looking to disrupt. I think they're going to be a little more proactive in their disruption, particularly on early downs, but obviously on third down and blitzing than we expect. And I highlighted a little bit on Twitter a few weeks ago through the three preseason games, whether it's the stunts and twists, whether it's the design slants and scrapes that you see our end just dart inside and kind of disrupt blocking schemes. You're going to see Quay Walker be a blitzing nightmare, just like maybe a Devin White was a few years ago for the Buccaneers. I think they're really going to start attacking more. And the one connection I have to that, that's really what the Georgia Bulldogs did well. Now, obviously, they had some elite talent. They had a really interesting defensive scheme that disrupted. From even things like Kirby Smart talking about, they would late shift on the line of scrimmage, hoping to draw false starts. Little things like that where we're going to dictate to the opponent. And I don't think that's an accident with guys like Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker on this team and saying, you know what, there's things we could do schematically to blow up offenses, designs and blocking schemes and maybe put ourselves a step ahead in blowing up a play. So I've seen that in the preseason. We're starting to see it with the personnel decisions. I really think they're going to be more aggressive. Now that can come with some more big plays, maybe, you know, on occasion. So every scheme has pros and cons. But what am I excited about on the field? I think this defense is going to attack a lot more this season. Yeah, I've talked about the, the same thing. And it, hopefully what, what you want to see is your GM and your coordinators in lockstep and what you want to run. And if that is the case, you get a uh, Colby Wooden in the fourth round. You get a Carl, Carl Brooks in the sixth round. You get a Lucas Van Ness in the first round. We saw Quay and Devontae in the first round a season ago. These are attacking, gap penetrating, get in the backfield type of players. 
we know Kenny was, is a little bit more of a slow burn type of player, but even he and TJ can get in there and disrupt a little yeah. bit as well. And maybe just disrupt in a little bit of a different way. Um, yeah. I think uh, Rashawn Gary coming back is going to be a big piece of that, but they have disruptors up front. And I totally agree with you. Going to want to do, and obviously, as every team wants to do, is yeah, they might give up maybe uh, if it's a big play. Can they keep it to 12 or 15 yards and see another first down and then try to get in the backfield again? And I think like you just got to get teams into second and third and longs. And I think you almost have to gamble a little bit on some of those early downs and say, hey, we got to get into the backfield, disrupt, make a play. Because if it's second and five, third and three, like whatever, we're just so behind the eight ball. And if teams can be unpredictable on offense, it makes it so insanely hard on defense. You have to find a way, like even when it's predictable, even when you know what's coming, even when it's a fourth and 25, Patrick Mahomes still might hit Sky Moore down the field. And yeah, he has to hang on to it. But like, it's, it's so hard to play. And I think if, if teams are unpredictable, it, it makes it so hard. So I think they are going to see a lot more attacking defense and hopefully getting some teams in some second and third and long situations. It, it also helps just tap into the ability of some of these young players, like even a Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is an excellent edge rusher. He's probably a borderline top 10 edge rusher in the league. He is not some technical wizard. <laughs> he is a explosive, high energy, high effort player. I got news for you. That's Van Ness. He's not going to be this technical wizard with cross chops and spin moves and counter rushes. You know, he's going to make his money playing with his hair on fire, being first off the ball, chasing the ball. Same thing with Quay Walker. Quay Walker's a freak athlete. He doesn't have a bag of pass rush tools, but he's got 4-4 ability and can go hunt. So just send him. Just let him go. Don't let these guys think. Just let them go and tap into some of that disruptive ability, not so much the technical ability. And we'll see if that comes later in their careers. All right. So we, we are excited about some things. We're cautiously optimistic about some things as we go into the season. What are just your general expectations for this Packer team and how do they kind of compare to the rest of the NFC North in your opinion? Yeah, I think a good season would be 500, Andy. You know, I really do. And I know fans are saying, wait a minute, we can't finish 500. So are we going to be nine and eight or eight and nine? I'd lean at probably eight and nine. And I think it's going to be an interesting fourth quarter of seasons. You're going to be some close games, maybe some heartbreaks. And that's going to come with the learning curve of a young quarterback. But I think that would be a successful season and enough to move forward with Jordan. You know what? Eight wins in his first year. Let's build off that to 10 and 11 and start this whole climb up the mountain. I don't think it's going to be a 14 and three type of year. So to call it, I think eight and nine and flirting right around 500 would be a great season for the Packers. Yeah. It feels like a little bit of a cop out when you say, but I, I said the same thing, eight and nine plus or minus one win. It's seven to seven to nine wins somewhere in that range would be what I would expect. If it's below seven, I think they probably a little underachieved in some capacity. If it's certainly, if it's well below seven, I think they underachieved by a lot. I think if they're above nine wins, I think Matt LaFleur and this team deserve a ton of credit for getting to that spot. So I would say, again, seven to nine wins anywhere in that range is what I would expect going in. And then I, I did a whole episode on it the other day. I just think having that expectation going into the year, hopefully, uh, you know, allows us to have um, maybe a little bit less, uh, you know, crazy reaction and that roller coaster ride as a fan on a week to week standpoint. Cause Hey, if they're going to win eight games and that's our expectation going in, well then don't be surprised when they lose nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I think that's kind of the main thing. Oh, one, uh, one other big thing I wanted to ask you is I know you watched the, the, some of the preseason tape and Jordan love and just any, any takeaways that you saw on tape. I know you mentioned the gap penetrating and just being a little bit more aggressive on defense, but anything else stand out to you on your tape study of this team? 
Yeah, I thought Jordan showed the high level ability to run the offense. You know, the good arm, the mobility, the you know the athleticism, the arm elasticity as well, thrown from different angles. Um, some of the outer structure structure ability, the improv. He's going to need that. He's going to have some wide eyed moments at times where he doesn't know where to go with the football. Um, the accuracy and the touch is going to come and go. Um, what he's looking at and his eyes are going to come and go. Some things like his eyes dropping against pressure, looking to escape out the back door. Did see those show up from time to time, which are major red flags. So you just want to clean up the red flags. They're going to be bad plays. Well, let's not get in the red flag tendency area where you're doing things that are detrimental to success, you know, succeeding in the play, like drifting out the back door, things like that, dropping your eyes. So I thought I saw enough from Jordan Love, but I think he can operate the offense and um, certainly trust his receivers to make plays. So I'm really excited that he's going to let this thing rip most of the time. And that's going to come with maybe a pick or two ripped away and probably a highlight reel catch or two for Musgrave and Reed. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's not going to be uh, as risk averse in the middle of the field as Aaron was. I think he's going to rip the ball a little bit more in there. And to your point, there's going to be some big time plays that are there, especially I think for Luke Musgrave. But as you mentioned, with some of the accuracy, one little overthrow on those balls over the middle of the field and those Chauncey Gardner Johnsons of the world. And uh, we saw branch yesterday. Those guys are going to be picking those things yeah. off. So it's going to have to figure out that balance there a little bit to see how we can get those big plays and limit some of the risk and uh, mistakes in that area as well. Last but not least, I know you're always diving into the draft and I'm sure you've uh, dove into it head first, even ahead of time into 2024. We know the Drake Mays, we know the Caleb Williams, the Marvin Harrison juniors, but um, what, what are you watching for as this uh, season progresses in college football? Well, you said it, you know, it's a fun QB class and obviously you have your headliners at the top, but Andy, there is like eight to 10 to 12 quarterbacks knocking on the door of the top 50 with lots of experience, lots, lots of upside. Some have some turbulent college careers and some new landing spots. You have to weed through what the issues were, but coming off of week zero, as we call it, and week one in college football, man, this looks like a great quarterback class moving forward. So you obviously know the headliners, but look out for, you know, Michael Penix out in Washington and Bo Nix out in Oregon, Pac-12, 12-0 week one, yeah. a lot of quarterback talent in nearly every school. There's somebody exciting. So, um, you know, this draft season never sleeps. You mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. There's tons of receivers out there, and these guys all look NFL ready to play. And I think these guys have high expectations and convert from Saturday to Sunday. Lots of playmakers out there, all sorts of shapes and sizes, the small gadget guys, the speedy guys. Florida State has receivers that look like tight ends out there. It's a really fun class again. There's good tackles, good edges, good interior defensive linemen. If you need some trench players and some trench bolsting, definitely 2024 you can retool. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a very, very fun draft. And anytime you get that many potential quarterbacks, and we all know different teams have different flavors that they like at quarterback, all the weapons there, it, it, I think it is going to be a very, very fun draft. It's unfortunate, uh, 2024, not the year that Green Bay is hosting, but uh, just one year later. And look at third strings, look at backups, look at some starters. This league still needs quarterbacks. They're always going to retire, move on, turn over. There's going to be some turbulent situations. This league needs young quarterbacks. This class coming in looks like an exciting one. Can't freaking wait. Ben, uh, tell us what you're going to be working on this year. I know you're doing double duty this year. Yeah, so I'm going to be on the road a ton. So I'm going to be doing my normal CBS duties uh, with Charles Davis, Ian Eagle, heading out to Cleveland this week for Bengals Browns. But I also join Amazon Thursday Night Football. So I'll be doing a double dip Thursday, Sunday, every week, 
Thursday with Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, really great crew out there, Kaylee Hartung, uh, Fred Gadelli just retired, so there's a new producer in there. It's an exciting transition on that crew. So it's going to be a lot of travel, two games a week, every week. We actually open next week here in Philly on Thursday night, Vikings-Eagles. It's going to be go, go, go. I have my schedule for the first month, which is really exciting. It's also really daunting. Might have bit off a little more than I can chew. But you know what, Andy? We're going from football game to football game. Life could be worse. So a lot of it's personal management, you know, your mood, your attitude, your sleep, your appetite. You know, you do what you love. You never work a day in your life. So uh, right on the heels of that, my flight has been canceled already today. So <laughs> week one is off and running, which is funny. Um, so that will certainly keep me busy. Still doing some things in the Eagles media department as well uh, behind the scenes. And before you know it, I'll be doing draft stuff back at NFL Network for Combine, Senior Bowl, and all that stuff. So the season's probably going to be a blur. It's crazy. It's Friday, September 8th right now, but yep. let's get rolling. Well, congratulations on all the success. You deserve it a ton. You absolutely kill it. And I uh, always really appreciate you taking the time, especially with how busy you are. Um, it's always amazing talking to you. Always love your insights. And uh, we'll definitely have you on anytime you want to come on. I appreciate you having me, Andy. Take care. Have a great season. Go Pack Go. Likewise, you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That's going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, as Ben said, go Pack Go.